board member of the Global March Against Child Labour and he's the Deputy uh, General Secretary of the General Agricultural Workers Union in Ghana and uh, he's going to be joining us uh, in the next few minutes. But let me speak to Dr. Johnny Musabayana. Dr. Musabayana, good evening to you and welcome. Good evening, Ayabonga. Thank you very much for having me and good evening to your listeners. Yeah, thank you very much. Maybe just, I guess, a definitional thing might be helpful. I can already hear many parents shuddering on the other side of this line, um, thinking that all of the chores they make the children do at home, uh, you know, might be seen as child labor, which is outlawed. Uh, but talk to me about what, what it is that we're referring to when we talk about child labor, as distinct, I guess, to other forms of, you know, household unpaid labor. I think this is a very good starting point, the definition question. Um, child labor has two distinct features. It's when young people are made to work for commercial benefits. So the issue of commercial benefit is important. But it's even more so that they are made to work for commercial benefit at the expense of going to school. So I think commercial benefit and denying mm. children the opportunity to go to school, these are the two the distinguishing factors that, that define child labor. Yeah. That means when children have to make their beds, which many of them don't like, clean their bedrooms, to help in the kitchen, to help in the garden, this is part of socialization. Mm. Even sometimes when they have to help in the rural setting, in the fields, when they have to help head cattle, yes. as long as it's not for commercial benefit and it's not denying children the opportunity to go to school, it is not child labor. It's part of what we call child work. So mm. I just want to make this distinction from the outset because in the African context, this is particularly important. Yeah. Over to you. Yeah. And then, I mean, Dr. Musabayana, the other dynamic to this uh, might be, I mean, I was saying earlier to our listeners, we've got child-headed households in South Africa. And one might expect that uh, there's always, I guess, an opportunity cost for a young person to either look after their siblings or go to school uh, or better yet, even look for an opportunity where they might bring some meager earnings as needed as they would be in that home. Um, Do we see a lot of this in South Africa uh, or is it something we often hear about in sweatshops in Asia and in other parts of the world? So I learned on this question, the numbers are particularly important, and you have alluded to them already earlier in your introduction. So we have 160 million, which is up from 152 million in 2016, children globally are in child labor. And unfortunately, 80, 90 million of that 160 million are on the African continent. They are in child labor. Mm. But if, for example, I would come to the South African situation, we have between 7 and 17, the state essay child, uh, uh, child survey tells us there are 11.4 million children. Of these, 2.3 million are involved in some kind of commercial activity. But of that 2.3 million, only 571,000 are considered as in child labor. And so that tells us that there is a, sometimes children are involved in some kind of commercial, as long as it's not denying them the opportunity to go to school, it is child labor, but it is not denying them the opportunity to go to school. Now we are in that 
hazy definition of situation. And allow me to just ask them to also point out that we have situations where young children uh, are also able to, to work outside of school hours to complement their income. It's not ideal, but that's the reality we live with on the continent. <laughs> and, 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 and you may want, if we were to expand this to the African continent, uh, that the majority of the child labor we face on the African continent is largely in that middle belt, Central and East Africa. And I'm happy to go mm. into greater detail sure, on that. But sure. when you look at Western North Africa and Southern Africa, that's not where the bulk of the child labor is. But the African percentage of children who are in child labor is 21%, which is immeasurably too high when you compare to Asia, which is around 7%, to Latin America, which is around 5%. Dr. Musabayana, what, what, what about the central band on the continent outside of southern, say, western, eastern Africa? What about that part of the world and its own economic structure gives rise to this high incidence of child labor? That is, that is what we are preoccupied with. And we have here at this global conference a whole team of ILO experts on the statistics. And even this afternoon, I was asking them to disaggregate this. And what it shows us is that there are, in absolute numbers, 29 million children in that middle belt of Africa who are in child labor. And of those, there are two sectors that stand out, maybe three. The first is agriculture. 80% of the children who are in child labor on the African continent are in agriculture. The second is in commercial fishing. And, and, and the numbers there are, are, are painful, if I may say that, Ayawonga, uh, because even kids three, four years are taken on these ships overnight during the day to help with the fishing. The third sector is mining, artisanal mining. Not by commercial companies, but artisan people digging up. You know, in uh, we have, I think, uh, if you compare that issue you have in Jobbeck of the suit, mine workers and those groups of Zimbabweans, the suit people fighting underground. Yes. In, the, in the global context, in the in African context, it, in the mid, middle belt, it will be young children involved in this kind of work. So these three sectors, agriculture, fishing, and mining, artisanal mining, are the big drivers of child work. There is also, of course, informality, particularly domestic work. Uh, young children caught up in families where instead of going to school, they are made to do domestic chores for pay, not just to themselves, but to the family mm. where they come from. Mm. And of course, underlying all of this, the big driver is, is poverty. Yeah. They, and and when, when COVID has come and sectors have been shut down, we've seen an increase in poverty. And therefore, that has also been a big driver of child labor. Let me hand there and give yeah, back to yeah. you. Let's pause there for a second because I want to bring in, uh, uh, I guess, uh, you know, uh, from the... Um uh, uh, General and Allied Workers Union uh, out in uh, Ghana and uh, that is a General Agricultural uh, uh, Workers Union I should say in Ghana but also board member of the Global March Against Child Labour Andrews uh, Tagwe SABC One tag- Look at you Tutu jogging like a gazelle at dawn but this ain't no game drive it's game on 
Because it's your 5K before your 9 a.m. Last night you owned game night, but now your big five is done. Because you found the light side. You found water. Vodka and sparkling water in three natural flavors. Grapefruit, cucumber and lemon and lime. Low in calories, alcohol and sugar. Because sometimes game night, sometimes game on. That's hashtag balance. Vorta. Hard salsa, light living. Always drink responsibly. Always arrive alive. Not for persons under the age of 18 years. Take your photos up a notch with Vodacom and Samsung. Get the new Samsung Galaxy A73 5G on a 1 gig red core more data plan for 399 Rand per month over 36 months and snap the best pics on a 108 megapixel camera. Add 29 Rand per month for 36 months and get the Samsung Galaxy Watch 4 Bluetooth. Available in store or online. T's and C's apply. Further together. Vodacom. It's more than just a football game. It's the Heineken All-Invitational Five-A-Side Exhibition Match. Watch local and international all-stars like Porsche Mudise, Clarence Seerdorf, Christine Lilly and Lucas Gatebe go head-to-head for the first time right here on African soil. Stay tuned to the show, Mzansi, and you could win double tickets to this one-of-a-kind event, the Heineken All-Invitational. Cheers to all players, men included, not for sale, to persons under the age of 18. Terms and conditions apply. The Shop Stewards Corner. The Shop Stewards Corner. This is the Shop Stewards Corner on Metro FM Talk. It is indeed, and uh, apologies there to my guests uh, for that uh, abrupt. Uh, I guess a segue into our adverts and uh, as I was saying uh, Andrews uh, Tagwa is a board member of the Global March Against Child Labour and the Deputy Secretary of the General Al- uh, Agricultural Workers Union out in uh, Ghana and uh, he's out in Eteguini uh, for the uh, uh, a conference that is unfolding there, the Elimination of Child Labour Global Conference and uh, he joins us now on the line. Andrews, good evening and welcome. Thank you very much. Good evening to all your listeners and greetings from Ghana. Yeah, thank you so much uh, for taking time out to speak to us. Andrews, let's maybe just start off here. I mean, Dr. Musabayano is making a very interesting point, saying even on the continent, even though there are relatively sort of significant and material numbers and any child who's not going to school and is engaged in child work is significant enough, but a big part of it, I guess, finds expression in particular parts of our continent. Some of your thoughts on that and also, I guess, some of the work uh, that you guys as the Global March Against Child Labour do to try and prevent uh, the scourge of uh, child labour. Yeah, uh, thank you very much. Again, I bring you greetings from the Ngaru uh, in Ghana, that's Agricultural Workers of the Trade Union and also the Global March. And more importantly, also the International Union of People who are all present here in Durban for the conference. The issue we are talking about has uh, 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 a pandemic proportion. And that is the ILO and then the uh, UNICEF statistics that was sent out indicate that Africa, in terms of Africa in totality as a continent, the amount of child labor that we have here is more than the rest of the world all combined. So the issue of child labor in the continent of Africa is assuming a global pandemic. And then, uh, in the last uh, 10 years, we are making progress. But then, even we became complacent, uh, the funding was not enough, 
on a strategy to move on correct in the last 10 years, the number of inclusion and the coverage have also been increasing so we start today, Africa is the biggest, but Taliban Africa is more than the rest of the world combined in total. And the majority of this is also found uh, in Andrews. agriculture. Andrews, uh, okay, let's try yes. again. Sorry, sorry, I started to hear you there. You were saying the majority are in agriculture. Please continue. Yes, the majority of Taliban Africa, uh, the IRO estimates about 70% are also in Africa. And the rest are divided in the rest of the sectors, including domestic work, including mining and querying, mm. including uh, uh, head portrait and the rest. So we have uh, an issue on hand that all of us must come together to help uh, ensure that children and adults labor for adults to be labor and do decent work. And, and, and just talk to me, I guess, about the Global March and uh, the campaigns that you are running to try and deal with this challenge. Yes. Yes, okay. and uh, at the middle of the global month, the global month uh, has partnerships with trade unions and other civil society organizations. That's the trade unions in other parts of Africa. Global month is working with civil uh, society organizations such as Western Social Business of Europe, International Union of Youth, the ICUC. And then we are targeting teams such as integrated and uh, Andrews, are we battling with that line, my brother? Battling with that line, and it's uh, unfortunate because I, I guess uh, we're starting to hear some reflections there. But uh, Dr. Musabayana, uh, I guess uh, you know Andrews echoing uh, much of what you were mentioning there about you know the prevalence of this type of thing in the agricultural sector, uh, but also the prevalence of it, I guess, in other parts of uh, you know the economy. Many people might be saying, look, we've got such a massive unemployment challenge. Um, I mean, if children can work and bring some household into, you know, some income into the household, uh, you know, why not allow them to do so? I, I think, yeah, that's a, that there may be a tendency to, to, to go down that path, which we would um, call, let's say, the, the law path to trying to see how to alleviate poverty within the households and indeed within the communities and the economies. The, the danger with that is we recreate the poverty we are trying to run away from. I think President Mandela said education is the greatest equalizer. It is that which enables the child of a domestic worker to aspire to be the CEO of a company. So if we deny children, particularly from disadvantaged communities, the opportunity to go to school, then them to a vicious cycle of mm. repetitive poverty. So I don't think morally anyone can justify putting children in a situation where they have to go to school, they have to go to work commercially to bring an income mm. at the expense of going to school and trying to build a better future, which would negate the need for future generations of children from that particular family to go into the kind of deplorable situation we're talking about. But allow me, Ebonga, to highlight then two things. In this regard, 
the role of government is particularly, particularly key mm. to ensure that the social protection measures that will lift the burden of these disadvantaged families so that they can have the space to allow children to go to, to school. And let me give the, the good example of the government of South Africa with the million, if I'm not mistaken, perhaps 12, 15 million young children who access uh, the, the, the feeding scheme at schools uh, in South Africa today. Mm-hmm. And those numbers, I could be corrected. I don't have the most up to date. But, but it is clear that when children can go to school mm. and through going to school get one or two meals so that even if they came hungry, they can be fed first thing in the morning. And before they go home, they are fed. That means even if it could be a nice-to-do thing, but it's not a survival issue for them if they go home and may not have another meal. They can look forward to coming back to school mm-hmm. and having sufficient food again. Sure. And in the process, also enable them to be in a good state of mind, body, uh, and health to be able to learn. Mm. So the food uh, feeding scheme is a particularly important state-supported measure. And I'm aware other, some other African countries, some other countries in the world, Brazil already was doing it a long time ago, uh, that's a key state measure. The second is the child grant. 450 rand per month, the children grant with the government of South Africa fails those from low-income groups who have children to be able to access. These are measures to ensure large numbers. So for a population of 60 million people in South Africa, the, uh, for, for 11 million children below 17 in South Africa, between 7 and 11, 17, that we have 550,000, uh, 70,000. It's 570,000 young children, too much, but it's not the millions we are talking about, for example, in the Middle Belt. Remember I said mm. in the Middle Belt of Africa, we have approximately, because this can only be approximately, 29 million children in the middle belt of Africa alone. And collectively, the whole of Africa, about 90 million mm. of the 160 million in the world are on the African continent, the majority of which are in that middle belt. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so the, 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 I, I think nobody with any moral conscience could justify taking children to work at the expense of going to school. But there's another element, what we call the worst forms of child labor. These are the types of work that are hazardous to the physical, psychological, and emotional well-being of children, so that these children are broken before they even try to reach adulthood. And that means they are handling pesticides in commercial farms, which infect themselves, their lungs. They are handling pesticides in mining when they are doing this extraction. There is the scourge of forced labor, particularly sexual trafficking of young children, particularly the girl child. These are what we call the worst forms of child labor. And about 50% of the 160 million children in the world who are in child labor 
are exposed to the worst forms of child labor. And I don't think I wonder, any of our listeners would say to complement the meager income of families, this could be an acceptable route to trying to alleviate poverty. Let me give that to you. Maybe a last one before we let you go, Dr. Bosabayana. Thanks. Yeah, uh, thanks. At a global level, I think we've spoken at length about how the incidence of child labor finds expression on our continent. Talk to me about, I guess, child labor, because you, you mentioned the role of governments and uh, mentioned the South African government and the role they've played here as signatories, I guess, to Convention 182 on this issue. But there's also a role for us as consumers um, at the tail end of many global supply chains where the risk of extensive child labor might be prevalent. And I think a lot of people often speak about electronics, clothing and apparel, agriculture as well. What role can we play as consumers ostensibly as the source of demand for some of the products that are made via this child labor in trying to stem it? I think that is particularly key. The the challenge of combating child labor is not only with the government. And first, you refer to global supply chains, a big issue. Business must try to do business with a moral conscience, and maybe that is pedantic. I don't know. Business only responds to profit. Profit, I don't know. (laughs) But we need a new model. It cannot be that global firms can make profit on the back of child labor. So at this conference, we're having a a particular dedicated session on looking at global supply chains to ensure what can business do to ensure the products that are driven by child, that are produced on the back of child labor are not acceptable by the parent firms as part of their supply chain. But as you rightly say, there is a role for the consumer. There must be an even greater uh, uh, commitment, particularly by, by NGOs, by civil society, to ensure that we say anything I buy must not be something that is produced by child laborers. Mm. And, and that, I think, is an even powerful voice. When you think about uh, the power of social media, it, it puts consumers at, 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 the, at the front line of, fight, of fighting child labor and asking the question, before I buy this chocolate, is it from a cocoa farm in Ghana, in Cote d'Ivoire, which has benefited, if I could use that word, from child labor? And then if it is so, this kind of chocolate, I don't want to have it. Before I buy this cereal, before I buy this sweet, is it from child labor? Mm. So I, I, I think, and therein lies the, the importance of complementarity and collaboration between governments, unions, businesses themselves, but most importantly, civil society and individuals at the tail end of the consumer value chain. So I, I agree with you completely. There, there must come a time when consumers say, before I buy a product, I want to know that it's not associated with child labor and civil society has a role to play in flagging those products that are put on the market on the back of child labor. And at this conference, we had the, the CEOs of Nestle and Coca-Cola who were also discussing what is it that they are doing to ensure their products don't end up with products of child labor, and I'm sorry to mention them, but they're the ones we've been talking to here mm. as examples of the role of global value chain. Over to you. Dr. Musabayana, we're going to have to leave it here for tonight. Always a pleasure catching up with you, and uh, thank you very much for taking time out to speak to us tonight.
Thank you for this opportunity. Good evening. Dr. Johnny Musabayana is uh, in charge of the Decent Work Program for Eastern and Southern Africa at the International Labour Organization, speaking to us tonight.